Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm excited to share my conversation I had with Elise Murphy with you. Now, you're going to love listening to Elise because she's an Aussie and has an awesome accent. And I first connected with Elise through a mutual friend, and all three of us have loved healing our guts. We have loved using this product called Mentabiotics that has helped the gut-brain access. And I shared a little bit about this last week. Um, Really... I had no idea that 90% of our body's serotonin was made in our gut. I had no idea that paying attention to my microbiome would actually help my overall mood. It would help um, not only in my digestion, but really how I'm feeling overall in life. And so I'm sharing a link in the show notes uh, to all of the gut health and mental wellness products that I've been taking. I shared last week that I've been loving Happy Juice, which is the main signature product, Mentabiotics, as well as a really fun product called Edge that helps increase your mood, motivation, and metabolism, um, as well as a product called Energy. Now, who doesn't need just a little more energy in their life? You can check that all out in the link in my bio, and I trust you're going to help or you are going to enjoy this conversation that I had with Elise Murphy. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with the lovely Elise Murphy and you are going to hear her awesome accent in just a minute. Elise has many hats, so author, speaker, preacher, podcaster, Um, she's in the media, she does a lot of different things and we're going to hear from her Um, just various parts of her life and her story. I know it is going to encourage you wherever you are at. So Elise, welcome to Ready to Thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, Elise, um, for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your story. You don't sound like you're from around here. (laughs) So take me back a little bit. Well done. You picked it up. No, I am from Sydney, Australia originally been in America now um, for about, I keep losing count. It's somewhere between eight and 10 years. I don't think we've hit the 10 year mark yet, but I think it's about eight, eight and a half years um, and was in Los Angeles for most of those uh, moved to the OC um, about a year ago and um, grew up in church, pastor's kid and went into ministry Um, Moved to Los Angeles for that, worked um, at Oasis Church under Philip and Holly Wagner, who became like my LA parents um, for many years and just kind of have said yes along the way. Lots of ups and downs and stories for days. Um, But yeah, but yeah, around the pandemic, uh, strangely enough, uh, moved lots of media doors started opening up. And so I started working with a company called Lightworkers, which was founded by Roma Downey, the original Touch by an Angel. Um, And uh, that has been amazing. And I absolutely love it. I get to have conversations with people um, just like we're doing now. So my whole goal is just to kind of be everyone's best friend and spread light where I can introduce them to Jesus and um, just like have fun too. So I don't know if that maybe yeah, I love it. 
answered your question, but that's me. Well, I love the snapshot. And now I want to kind of pick it apart a little bit. Um, So what was the inspiration or the motivation to move from Australia originally? So it was just ministry, like you were thinking, hey, I've got a specific job I want to do, or what was the, because that's a pretty big move. Sure. And and I moved from my parents' house too. So I don't do things um, half. I definitely have the hashtag extreme Elise for a reason. Um, but I, when I was little, honestly, I always have loved, have had such a deep love and passion for America and thought everyone did in Australia. Turns out they don't. Um, but I would get emotional listening to the American national anthem. So there'd be like things on that side, but I just always knew from a little girl that I'd be in America at some stage and I couldn't tell you why. And um, by about the age 16, I started coming over here once a year. My best friend used to live over here and then it started becoming speaking and ministry trips and stuff like that. And, um, and then Philip and Holly, uh, Philip, you know, lots of pastors joked about uh, me living over here and like being on their staff and that kind of thing. And I would always say, well, you can take it up with my dad because I work for my dad and um, I always felt like it was a lot of pressure. You know, when you're a kid, you maybe you grew up in church and you feel like one decision can like ruin your entire life. And so I was always terrified that if I made the wrong decision, moved to the wrong place or whatever, that God could not possibly use me, which spoiler alert is a lie, everybody. Uh, but at the time it was such a big decision. And I guess in hindsight, it still was. But Philip was the first one to call my dad and be like, hey, I really think that we should, we want a lease on our staff in Los Angeles. And Strangely enough, I had never considered Los Angeles being a place that I would move. Um, And then there was about a two month hiatus from my first conversation with Philip. So I was like, had this, have you ever had like the opportunity of something and then it kind of disappears and you're like, oh, turns out I really wanted to do that. And so then that was like two months of me being like, I don't know, what what am I going to do? Am I going to move? Am I not? And then he had gone on sabbatical, which we always laughed about that. Like he called me and then went on sabbatical. I was like, you couldn't just like wait eight weeks till you came back, but that's very Philip. And within three weeks from the second conversation that we had, um, I had my visa and I moved and it was a whirlwind. And I think looking back on some of the biggest decisions of my life, um, they've always been whirlwinds like that. I think God knows in the big moments that I need to move quickly. Otherwise my brain will will kick into gear and my faith will be a little bit like Peter on the water. Um, but I did it and was, uh, came on staff at Oasis church and had a bunch of different roles, ended up being the executive director there and one of the main teaching pastors on staff and loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had so many formative years there and I would not be who I am, where I am without it or its people. So super grateful. Well, that I love that story. And I love the way I have seen that in my own life where God really seems to kind of like prep you or prime you for something. And then there's nothing for a while. I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of thought we were moving forward in this. I've had that so many times in the past year. And then when the door opens, you're like, oh, I'm ready. And Turns so out I wanted it. <laughs> and so it's kind of like that preparing of you internally and then the external can kind of mm. fall into place. Like he can do so many things to make that fall into place. Yeah. Um, and your, I'd love to chat about your pivot then away from, not away from ministry, but quote unquote ministry um, in a formal setting. Because I think, uh, you know, I didn't grow up as a pastor's kid, although my best friend growing up was a pastor's kid named Elise, funnily enough. Oh, no way! Different spelling. But, um, but I think sometimes you have this idea, my husband works full-time in ministry 
and you can have this idea of kind of how something's going to go, especially once you're like locked in, you're like, this is the way it's going to be. And I actually find starting something or getting going on a path is really tough, but then actually the pivot, especially if it feels like it's away from what you know God called you to, you're like, am I, is this still you? Because <laughs> this feels a little weird. So I'd love to yeah. hear a little bit about that pivot as well. Yeah. So like I said, um, I had been on staff, never, I am, I feel like maybe the only girl that moved to Los Angeles to be in ministry, not media. And then turns out, um, but I, I never really thought about that. I mean, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a Disney princess, but I thought everyone did or judge Judy. Um, and then it was ministry. Um, and so I was always had a flair for dramatic always, but I always saw myself using that to be in full-time traditional ministry on a church staff in the building um, and then the pandemic hit in 2020. And I think it doesn't take anyone really these days too long to be able to relate to the pivots of life through that pandemic, through 2020, everyone had one. But for me, it was strangely enough at the start, doors weren't closing, doors were opening. And so whether it was Lightworkers uh, asking me to interview Bethany Frankel, who I didn't know who she was, like my heroes in my life have been these uh, pastors and teachers of the word and Christian leaders. Like I knew Hillsong lyrics before I knew how to bring sexy back or who Justin Timberlake was. So I didn't grow up with that context. And so for me, um, pitching a show or like them pitching me a show and me having this interview online show during a global pandemic, and then it moving down the line and starting to feel um, starting to feel that tension of God, I feel like you're shifting some things, but I didn't ask for this. Like, I don't, I'm good being on staff. I love working for a church. I loved it. And yet I think that God knew that unless that he made the circumstances happen the way that they happened, that I probably would have never left. Like, unless I had been kicked out, no, no, I wasn't kicked out for the record, but like, unless it had been those circumstances where my pastor came to me and was like, Elise, I think that you need to pursue this. Like, I think that God's doing something in this area. And I was terrified. And yet at the same time, what's so funny is that I put my resignation in and then three weeks later, the show took a hiatus. And I was like, wait, 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 what? I was like, uh, this is why I left. What's happening? And I went into six months of doing nothing. And so exactly what you were saying of sometimes that thing, you start moving down that direction. Because to be honest, Jacqueline, God had to get me into a place where I was able to strip away the idea of what I thought ministry was so that I didn't just run to the next thing to find my identity in. Because so many of us had identity crises during this pandemic because we were no longer doing the thing that we got our worth from the thing that we got our entire identity from and that would and listen sometimes the easiest place to hide is behind a pulpit on a stage on a sunday let me tell you as someone from experience and yet god had to strip away elise the pastor so i understood what god had called me to do so i understood that ministry was taking different methods it was not in a church with the four walls that people when he when jesus said go and make disciples that go it means something very different for everybody and making disciples doesn't actually happen on a Sunday that's when we gather making disciples happens Monday through Saturday at work in the dentist chair in the classroom at home with the kids in your marriage that it happens wherever you are and so I honestly believe God shut things down for six months which was very confusing for me but he did that because I needed to 
actually understand that I was called to be a pastor before I ever had that on an email header, before I was ever had that on a job title, that I am a pastor, whether I am on a stage or on a computer screen or talking to someone at the grocery store, that, that is actually an assignment God has given me and the methods will take a different form, but the ministry is exactly the same. And so whether someone's had a different method pivot in the last few months or the last couple of years, it can be so jolting until you realize that just because the assignment or the method might have changed doesn't mean that it's no longer ministry. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I I just love how you unpacked that. And I think, um, you know, you, you shared about it pretty quickly, but being in it and even using the word like stripping away, that's yeah. painful, especially <laughs> yeah, when it. you have your identity in something. And not because... You know, when we talk about this, it's not like you wake up one morning, you're like, I really want to put my identity in this over here instead of, it's just because we're, we're going about, and really the heart is, God, I want to serve you. I want to do the things. I want to partner with you where you've called me to, but it's very easy to end up in a place where we're like, okay, I'm, I'm being fulfilled in this. I'm being wrapped up in this. And I think that is incredibly common and really takes so the, um, I would say daily surrender daily. Okay. And almost the, um, I'm like this with everything in my life so that you can move me, but that moving is uncomfortable. It's so, it is. um, now can I ask you something when you were making that transition, did you feel like you had to or wanted to explain yourself to people and say like, here's what I'm doing. No, this is God. You don't understand. Like, did you have that need or that desire? Yeah, girl, these are, they, that's such a great question because it's so real and so normal. I love what you said about the open-handedness. It's one of my, my best friend who is now my business partner, because turns out I'm in business now, who knew as well. God was just like, hey, and I would have, again, an area I never would have thought or never would have placed myself in, but sometimes God has to earthquake it, if you will, in your life, because of what you just did. You just, if people are watching on the video, you had open hands. And my best friends and I, out one of our foundational beliefs that God took us through at the very beginning, he told us both very clearly, girls, keep an open hand and I'll keep pouring things into it. As soon as you start getting tight fisted, I have to remove some things. Why? Because if you even look at the surface area of an open hand to a closed fist, you can fit more in an open hand. But so often our identity wants to grab at things because it's safe, because it's comfortable. And so, oh, please. Yes, girl. I was trying to explain myself to everybody at the start, to be honest, because I, because the truth was, I didn't believe ministry happened outside the four walls. I preached it. I taught it. I spoke it, but clearly we say things out of our mouth that we don't believe in our heart. And that was one of them. And that, I believe that's why God actually had to uh, remove those things for a while because I was grabbing at straws. And so like, there was so many times because honestly, people want answers. So when people stopped seeing me on a stage, whether it was on the other side of a screen, because it was in a global pandemic, again, I think that was the kindness of God. Uh, but honestly, like people ask questions and people come to conclusions. So Yes, there were many different things that were said about to me that were not true. And yet I felt like God had shut my mouth and it wasn't, I wasn't like, um, I wasn't um, like quietly obedient to God. Like we had some very rough discussions and my voice was very raised at times. And there were so many tantrums, 
but it was because I was, I'm very justice oriented. So I was like, God, this isn't what they, they're getting it wrong. Well, this is being said about me. And he was like, can you trust me? And so I think so often I want to grab at control because I don't actually truly trust that God is going to work everything out for my good. And so when we don't truly trust that he has got it in his hand, what do we do? We take it back into our hands. And so there were so many times I wanted to explain myself. So many times I wanted to get on Instagram live. So many times I wanted to pick up my phone and be like, listen up. <laughs> But at the end of the day, fruit speaks for itself. And so now in this season, um, a little bit on the other side of it, because it's still very new, um, a little bit on the other side of it. Now I see why, and I see some of the fruit that's growing from it. Um, but at the time when you, when you're only sowing seeds and you do not see any greenery of anything that has grown from it, it's so hard just to keep sowing, keep planting, keep trusting that the seeds that you are sowing, he is the God of the harvest. He is the God of sowing and reaping. He, he does, he created that principle. He created seasons. And so who am I to try to tell the God that created the seasons that he's doing it wrong? just because it's not in my timing. And the Bible talks so much about due season, which is not in Pacific standard time. Turns out very different time zone to my seasons, to what I think should be due seasons. But I also don't wake the sun up in the morning. I also don't tell the moon when it's time to go to bed. And so um, at the end of the day, I had to keep trusting that the times when it's easy to grasp the fact that his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher has to be the same truth that I grasp even when I don't understand it. That's so good. Um, I think it's challenging anytime we're making a pivot of any kind in our lives um, to want to explain to those people near us. But if we're doing that publicly, it feels like, um, you know, people have us kind of in a box and not because they're bad people, but because we just do that with people. We know we kind of get used to this is who you are and what you do. And so oh. it's very challenging. And I've heard that from so many people. So I think part of sharing that as well is for whoever is listening, um, that you may feel like God is moving you along. I have a friend who just moved uh, from Canada to the United States. And that whole season was really difficult, basically saying, not everybody is going to get it. But really, yeah. when you understand that the assignment you're getting is from God, you can kind of begin to let some of that stuff go, even though it's hard. Because it's either the, this is what I think they're going to say or what they're actually saying. And, Absolutely. And just being obedient. And, and change, I mean, no one likes change. And yet it is the very thing that we all have in common. And uh, change requires growth, but growth is painful and it comes with growing pains. And so we want the growth. But we don't want the pains that come with it. And some of those pains is being okay, being misunderstood. And one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is, I'm just not going to be liked by everyone. And that is so painful because I love being loved. Like <laughs> I need people to, I want to be everyone's best friend. How can you not like me? And so that, when it comes out of that place of, I ha it's, it's actually about me. And it can come out of that place of like, I want them to understand me because if surely if they understood me, then they wouldn't feel that way. Well, they might still, because actually everyone has a right to their own opinion and not everyone is for me and I am not for everyone. And so it has been a season of understanding that I, I've had to allow God to sift who I need in this season. And that in a circle is 
tiny compared to what it used to be. And yet what I've had to realize is if God has gotten rid of those people, then they were not going with me where they needed to take me. And if God has kept these people, it is because it is who I need in this season. And then the other lesson is um, when we change, so do the people around us. And that is okay. I grew up for some reason, I'm in Los Angeles. Someone said to me one time, she said, Elise, um, you don't have the same friends you had when you first arrived. And she meant it as like, uh, you keep changing friends. And it had been about five years and I had gone through a divorce. Um, no wonder I didn't have the same friends. And yet for some reason, there was this insecurity that settled in me to feel like I was a wishy-washy friend. And so that made this last season so difficult until my therapist, thank God for therapy, helped me realize that that lie I had believed back there, that I was a wishy-washy friend, actually meant I was still trying to hold on to people that were actually not very good for me and weren't saying nice things about me. And Elise, it's okay as life changes that the people you needed in that season don't have to be the people that are close to you in this season. And that doesn't mean they're bad and that doesn't mean you're bad and that doesn't mean when you buy milk it is bad for you but if you keep trying to drink milk that has expired it will not be good for you and so sometimes those friendships turn bad not because they were but because we are still trying to hold on and consume something that has had an expiration date on them and I've had to let go of people either that misunderstood me that weren't going with me or that just simply Life has allowed seasons to change. And I think that that has been a really tough thing for so many people, including myself over the last few years. Well, I love that you shared that. I um, can't get this concept out of my head uh, recently. And that is that we need the Caleb's and Joshua's in our life. And we need the people who can really link arms with us and say, this is where we're going, or this is where you're going. And yeah, yeah. it's scary out there, but God has actually equipped you. He's gone before you. He has called you to that season. And I, everything you're sharing, I was like, this is my, this is my life in this past year. Um, and it's painful to let go of the old and not again, similar to you leaving your job. It's not a bad, it's not for a bad reason. It's just that there is actually like, we love the verse that talks about God's doing a new thing. But that new thing is like, it's actually painful because we, we can't bring everything with us. We have to let go of some things. And so my motto has just been gracefully letting go um, of the old. And if things pop up that feel painful, really trying to forgive where I need to forgive, not allow um, lies to pop in. I love that you brought up that lie. And I like to think about it like a seed that gets planted in the soil of our heart. Um, yeah. and it begins to get cultivated because it's just something someone said over us. It's, it's lost in translation, right? Somebody said something and it gets, the enemy likes to twist things, gets planted in our heart and it gets cultivated as a weed. And that thing that just begins to sort of tangle us and keep us stuck. Once we identify the lie, it is that moment of, Oh, okay. That's actually, I'm not bound by that anymore. Um, so I love that you shared all shared about that. Have there been other lies in your life that you have identified? Like other things that have, you've had those aha moments where you've gone, okay, that's actually not true. Yeah. So many, oh my gosh, every week it feels like, <laughs> like another one. And I love that you called it a weed. And it's that story that, um, 
a parable Jesus told where he said, let, let the grain and the weeds um, grow together. And I think he was, he was talking about um, like in the end times, you'll see basically what's, what stayed and, and what will be get burnt up. And yet it also is this beautiful image of, Hey, let the grain and the weed grow together. And at the appropriate time, when you need to get rid of that thing, you can get rid of it. But if you try to get rid of every weed before you have any grain, then you're not going to be sowing anything. And I think sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with how much we have to work on, right? Like I remember when I went through my divorce in 2017, I started seeing all these patterns and all of these things that contributed to how I got into an abusive relationship that I was like, oh, good Lord. And I'm a pastor's kid. Oh my gosh. Like I was like, people have no hope. And then I started to realize that pastor's kids have their own dirt turns out, but Sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with the lies or the weeds or the things we have to work on. And I think, I think that's the beauty of um, the being transformed, continually being transformed. And that is the, Jesus, what do you want me to focus on today? What's the grain that you want me to celebrate? And what's the weed? Or what is that seed of a weed, if you will? What's that offense? What's that little thing that we don't want to let grow? The, the little foxes that will spoil the vine if we let it. And so um, I've had so many lies. I literally did a sermon on them. And then I wrote a book called Confessions of a Church Kid because for me, my whole life has been about not being able to lie because my mom is a prayer. Um, and so that sucked because uh, I could keep a secret for about seven business days maximum um, because my parents would pray for me. So shout out to the praying parents. You're keeping your kids saved. Um, but I, I literally would like see these different things in my life from as a little girl. And I would just start telling things how I saw them. And I think that's where I get that vulnerability skill from, if you will, skill. Um, even though I am an Enneagram three and want to present the best possible front, there is this side of me that is like, hey, can we call that out? Because I don't think I'm the only one going through that. And that's what I realized. So it's from things like even being a female in ministry, um, a female leader and having people come at me, whether it's online or in person about the fact that that is not actually the biblical way. And I have my belief and they can have their belief, or it is these lies that I've believed that um, I'm literally about to do um, for those watching on the podcast of this. But like after this interview, I'm going to do another one about imposter syndrome, which is basically that feeling of like, if people really knew me and I had that for so like many years was like this feeling of if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. And then I had to realize actually people connect with authenticity. So if people really knew me, the truth is some won't like me, which we just talked about. But the truth is some people will connect with me even more. And as I realized that our biggest fear is leading with vulnerability because somewhere along the way, I mean, we learned that if we were vulnerable, for some reason that would take away our authority. And it's just the opposite. It is just the opposite. What do you want to know when you're going through a tough season that someone went through it too, and they got to the other side? So why, and I was so afraid for so many years to lead with, with, with authenticity and vulnerability to extend my withered hand and show people that you can still do a lot, even with a withered hand that you, the other day I was talking to someone and saying, you can do a lot with a limp, like Jacob's limp. Yes, he limped, but the beautiful thing is that was proof that he had wrestled with God. And I think sometimes we can be so scared of our scars as if Jesus didn't have them too. And if we could just lead with that, like Jesus did, there is so much on the other side. So I think that's one of the biggest ones that I've had to 
um, identify and, and work through. So good. I, um, I, you've already shared a little bit about how you've walked through a divorce and I know with, um, various things that happen, you know, in the church, there can be this sense of shame or feeling like I've made a mistake. And you are already said earlier, you know, sometimes this feeling of like, God can't use me. How have you worked through that? Um, how has that kind of presented itself? Um, especially as somebody who is in ministry and, you know, we can also have these ideas of like, God, this is what my life is going to look like. Okay. Oh. I wasn't expecting this. Um, can you unpack that for me? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, goodness gracious, those moments when suddenly something you never saw being a part of your story looks like it's going to be the title chapter. And you're like, when, what, when was divorce a chapter in my story? Like that was my mom's story. That wasn't ever going to be my story. And then suddenly you're hit with these plot twists in life that you think threaten the promises of God. And we're left wondering, what do we do now? And I absolutely went through those moments that weren't helped by some Christian leaders, to be honest with you, that uh, some that were very close to me that did start to put labels on me and did start to keep me in boxes and say, well, you still need to heal two years later, or like you still have these things or because um, A, B and C has happened in your life and you have walked through this it's very possible to have walked through a season um, and people see that you are healed and still want to hold you on that label of your past because it actually makes them more comfortable with their own labels as well that they haven't let go of. And so not only did I have to get through that, I actually had to start finding my own voice, which is honestly that season for me of, of uh, being pressured silently pressured to be silent, if that makes sense in the church. Sometimes we can do that, um, that people don't say it, but they say it. You, does that make sense? And so that's what I found. And so in that season, God actually had me establish my own voice, which is the very thing that founded what I do now, these breakthrough boot camps for women to get them out of shame, to help them find their own voice, to help them tell their own story. And it then started Club Devotion, which is this whole community for women that we run now as well, to help them go deeper with God and actually connect with other like women that are like, I don't want to stay stuck in my past. I actually want to move forward. And I want other women that are committed and going to call me higher to that as well. But it, that season, what we're doing now was birthed out of that season of me first having to climb over the wall of shame, which you can never see past. You can't unfortunately go around it, that wall, that mountain you got to climb and then see from the top and realize when you climb that mountain of shame, not only do you get to show women the path that you have gone, but there's a whole different perspective at the top that you maybe never would have seen before. And so I had to get through that and then really start to fight for my own voice and say, actually, this is what the Bible says. Actually, I'm going to do my own research and not trust that the suggestions from the pulpit are now my theology. I'm going to take that to Jesus. I'm going to take that and do my own commentary and see what Jesus was really saying, what God was really meaning behind that. And it turns out it wasn't that women stay quiet and it wasn't that women stay in shame or men stay in shame or anyone. Um, and so there was so much to unpack in that season for me of uh, specifically those first couple of years coming out of the divorce um, that not only was it getting over my own shame, but it was also finding my voice and using it even when it was shaking to say, actually, God has a bigger plan for me, even if you can't see it and he will open the doors if you won't. Oh, that's so good. I, um, I love that you shared basically through what you went through 
what God brought you through yeah. came this overflow, this outpouring where you're like, and then I created this boot camp, and then we created Club Devotion. And I I think that is always, I mean, I it's very cliche to say your mess becomes your message. Um, but I feel because it's true. (laughs) I feel like God, you know, we, I've shared on this podcast a few times about our story of coming from being in debt and then getting out of debt. And we've, we've been on people's summits and other things. I'm like, it's hilarious to me that we are sharing this, but I feel like God's always like, I just want to use, like, I just want to use your story because I'm going to transform you. I'm going to do all of the heavy lifting. And then I want you to actually find your voice and share it. Because even though we may not be so far ahead of somebody else, we are a little ways ahead. We can turn back and offer a hand and say, come with me. You don't have to yeah. stay stuck there. Um, yes. And there's, and isn't that what women, like that's what people want to know, isn't it? That they don't have to, they just want, because sometimes we can't give ourselves permission. We want to, but we feel like we can't. And all it takes is someone to turn around let like extend a hand and say, Hey, you don't have to stay stuck there. He follow me. And it is the greatest release of freedom to be able to tell someone I've been where you are and you do not have to stay there. You do not have to stay in debt. You do not have to stay heartbroken. You do not have to stay in shame. You do not have to stay in toxic friendships. You do not have to stay in a small, limited mindset that says that God loves me as much as I am good. You do not have to stay there. You get to be liberated. You get to be free. You get to walk out the tangible favor of God so that you can say, not only come follow me, but you can say now, let me introduce you to God. And, and this is my story. And I think that is so powerful when we can actually not just get out of that thing ourselves, but then turn around and say, God, you didn't just bring me out of this fire so that I had a cool story to tell people. Like you brought me out to come and then go rescue other people too. Well, one of the things I love about you is that you are so multi-passionate and <laughs> so, and that's a kind way to say it. <laughs> uh, I want to I feel so similarly in that I'm like, hey, I'm over here talking about money. And then I'm over here talking about gut health. I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about all of the things. But I think when when God frees you from something, when he really does, you have that sense of transformation. You cannot help but talk about it. You cannot help but want to say, again, another cliche quote that I love is free people, free people. Mm. Um, and I love to just touch on, again, something that is running rampant right now um, is just anxiety. And, uh, and again, for those of you who can't see, Elise just took a a little sip from her happy juice and her and I, another connection that we have together is both coming across this company that really has helped people with their mental wellness. So I just love to hear a bit about your story with anxiety and Amare and all of that as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was introduced to Amare through my business coach, Brooke, and I was speaking at her uh, business conference, which at the time I was not an entrepreneur. I was a girl that was in ministry, but had quit my job and wasn't sure what I was doing. Like that was in that season. And so, yes, my anxiety was running rampant. Um, I also um, am multi-passionate, which is very kind of you to say, um, basically have the attention span of Dory the Fish from Finding Nemo. And uh, that means that I start lots of tasks and didn't finish them. Um, and so during this time, Brooke was like, hey, give me a month. Like, I want you to try this uh, gut brain access, this uh, company, Mari. And I was like, okay, sure, fine. And so my best friend, again, who I mentioned before, who had always struggled with her weight. I had always struggled with um, my focus and thinking and just clarity and all that kind of stuff. And so 
it's funny how much I have learned in the last year about the fact that so many different symptoms stem from the same root. And yet as a preacher, how did I not already know that? You know, like, I'm like, duh. And so, uh, uh, so it is with the spirit. So it is with the body. So many different symptoms stem from the same root and um, of gut issues. And they call the gut the second brain. They're actually now uh, researchers saying it might be the first brain, but that might be too much for our world at the moment. But <laughs> 90% of your serotonin, your dopamine, your um, all of your onins basically are actually created in your gut. And so what I was finding was that I was on a lot of artificial things that weren't great for me um, because it stemmed back to a gut issue. And so as I started to get healthy, I started to realize, um, again, if I'm going through this, who else is? And so I started sharing my story and um, I, and this company is a, uh, MLM branded, um, kind of structure of, um, of a company. And so for me, as someone that very much understands social selling and, and influencing, I guess, um, in, on Instagram and social media, my best friends and I was like, well, that's not necessarily the way that we would see to do it just from our perspective. Cause we'd already started this breakthrough bootcamp and club devotion and lots of other ministries <laughs> and businesses. We were like, oh God. But we were like, but if we can help our other friends who already have a platform on social media change their life through these products and help their own anxiety and actually make their life better and they want to share it, why don't we create a social side of this company? And so we pitched it and they said, yes. So we created this thing called Amari X, which um, is the influencer program, which is basically people like, hey, try these products. If it doesn't work for you, it's a money back guarantee anyway. And then for our friends and people that, already have these platforms and help their followers find answers as well to anxiety and other um, mental wellness situations and issues that people struggle with. People are now finding freedom, not just financially, but in their bodies, in their guts, in their emotions as well. And so it was just, it kind of just happened so quickly and yet so organically that it was like, if you have a story, why wouldn't you tell it? And so um, Amari really helped me and clearly I'm sure it has helped you as well. And so we just started talking about it and voila, it became another business. <laughs> well, honestly, I love it because I, you know, similarly have been doing all the things and, and it's really nice. You know, recently I was reading the Proverbs 31 woman. I was like, she was so multi-passionate. She had oh, she was so an entrepreneur. Yeah. And she had so many things. So I think sometimes we can have this sense of like, I should be just doing my one thing, staying in my one lane. But I'm like, God, you are the one giving me these ideas. And I'm going to trust you knowing when there's things to step away from, things to pursue. Um, but I love that. I love hearing that part of your story. Um, I want to just ask you about your personal routine and rhythm. Um, and we'll just kind of close off with this. What do you what do you do to thrive? Like what are kind of your keystone things that you're like, these are the things I really try to do in my day or my week to keep me feeling good in my body, connected to God, all of those things. So what do you do to thrive? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, uh, especially now that the world and travel is picking up, I kind of forgot about it for a second. I think we all did. Um, and so I got into a really good routine after a while, uh, in, during the pandemic when we're all just like enclosed in our houses, but for me, something that's really important. And again, it is not legalistic because as a kid growing up, I thought that what I did was directly related to how pleased God was with me. And I'm realizing more and more that my time with God in the morning is not about showing him that like I'm loyal, 
it is about actually helping me frame my spirit and my heart and sync it all up. Speaking of gut brain access, spirit heart access is as important. So every morning um, I try to start my day with just time with God. And that's through the devotional. I literally write the devotionals and then I go and do the devotionals the next month through club devotion because um, it helps me and because I need it. And so I start my day with that. And then um, I am getting better at rest. I'm not a natural person that would be bent towards that. And so um, at the end of the day, I try to have a stop mark in my calendar every day. So whether it is a final meeting or a um, final video call, final interview, final, like whatever it is in my calendar, because if it's on the calendar for me, it's not going to happen. And so I literally put a final thing and then I know after that, okay, my day's over. And so whether it is a wind down or whatever it is, um, that's really important just to help me end my day and start to wind down. And then I'm my most creative when I have fun. So every single week in my calendar, a non-negotiable Katie, my best friend will, um, and business partner, because she knows that it's good for business as well. We put something fun in the calendar, going to a movie, going to a friend's show, going to something to do something that is fun. It has nothing to do with everything else we do. Um, and so those are some for me. And then uh, I'd say six days a week, I probably move my body and work out just because I know mental health wise, emotionally, if I don't feel good and I'm not taking care of the one body that God has given me, then I can't actually do the things that God's put in my heart to do. So many people are asking God for something that their body cannot actually sustain if God was to give it to them. And about five years ago, God really challenged me on that. And so, um, uh, people in church sometimes don't understand that because they would much quicker like to judge somebody that is sleeping around than somebody that is like significantly overweight and not like on a journey to get help in that area. And there is no judgment on either end. It is just saying both of those things are going to long-term probably hurt your heart and hurt your body. And so um, I really am passionate about our physical health. I am very passionate about it because I believe that God's given us one life, one body, and are we taking care of the very vehicle that he has asked us to do our ministry through? And so those are some of my things that I help me thrive. Um, anytime I can be in the sun, big fan. So yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, now, if people were like, I want to know more about Elise or even want to know more about Club Devotion, um, where would they find out about that? Everything is on my Instagram. Um, I, I have a website, I'm um, pretty sure, um, but who uses websites these days? Um, and so literally, if they just come and jump on my Instagram, it is just Instagram.com. Uh, my handle is my first name, E-L-Y-S-E. That's it. That's me. They'll find me. Um, and that has all of my links to Club Devotion to find out more about that. Um, it has got my breakthrough bootcamp stuff where I'm speaking, speaking requests. That's got literally everything on it. Um, we tried to get more fancy than that. And I just realized, let's just make it simple. So everything is on my Instagram. So they just go to my Instagram page. Then um, that's the best way they can connect with me. But I've had so much fun today. Thank you so much for having me on. That's awesome. I, I mean, I feel like any one of those topics we could have done a super deep dive on. Um, but I think if you are listening, there is definitely something Elise has shared that I'm hoping has helped you move one step closer to thriving. One maybe one aha moment that has given you a sense of freedom, a little bit of a, okay, Elise, Elise has gotten through this. God has walked with her through this. Um, maybe even leaving today saying, is there anything I have been believing in my life that may not be true? Anything that may be a lie, something that has been planted there. Um, and just, you can take a few minutes and sit with God and say, hey, search my heart. 
let me know what's going on in there. If there is anything um, that is not true and be able to bring it to the light with him. Elise, thank you so much. Anything you'd share with us as we close? Oh my goodness. Um, I just think take it one step at a time. I think we always overcomplicate the process and really God isn't asking you to take five steps today. He's just asking you to take one. So if you take one thing from today, just take a next step. I think that is the best um, advice that I continue to give myself and that God continuous, continuously gives me. So just pump. Thank you so much for having me on, Jacqueline. I've had such a great time. Thanks, Lise. Take care. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something. But when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.